Well, this is just awesome. This is just awesome. You can't be, in, you can't be enjoying it more than me, but okay. Isaiah chapter 43 this morning. God led me to speak on the passage of Scripture that actually he gave me many, many years ago, even before my family and I moved to Arizona, and told me one day I'm going to pastor a church and we're going to call it the Oasis. <laughs> and I want to show you where the, the name, the Oasis, and the concept for this church came from. And in fact, as we go through this passage today, we're going to see that God gave me an identity for our church from this passage. It's an identity that I've tried to establish while we were at Basha, and it's certainly one that I want to see us continue now that we have our own home. Every church has an identity, whether they realize it or not, whether even the leadership can articulate it or not, every local church has an identity. So I want us here at the Oasis, on the very first Sunday we meet in our new building, I want you guys to know this is, this is where I've received from God what our identity is to be as a church. Just follow along with me as I read verses 19 through 21 of Isaiah 43. The prophet writes, look, from the mouth of God, I am about to do something new. Now it begins to happen. Do you not recognize it or know it? Yes, I will make a road in the desert and paths in the wilderness. The wild animals of the desert honor me, the jackals and ostriches, because I put water in the desert or I put an oasis in the desert and streams in the wilderness to quench the thirst of my chosen people, the people who I formed for myself so that they might praise me. This was obviously God talking about the nation of Israel, the people of God in the Old Testament. And God, even when he formed the nation of Israel, said, I am forming you as a group of people so that you can display my glory. In fact, God reminds them of this in chapter 43. Look at verse 7 where God says, everyone who belongs to me, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed, yes, whom I made. God not only created us individually for his glory, but he created us to be a community or a group or a nation to display his glory. And ever since he formed the nation of Israel, starting with one man, Abraham, God has always been looking for groups of people to display his glory through. In fact, in the Chronicles, it tells us that God literally, his eyes dart around the whole earth looking for a group of people in which he can display his glory through. So if God is looking to display his glory through us even, the Oasis Church, 
What kind of people is he looking for? I think we have, in verses 19 through 21, the kind of people that God is looking for to display his glory through. The first thing I want us to see then in verse 19 is that he's looking for a people who orient themselves to him. A people who orient themselves to him. Notice the first word, look, (laughs) see, behold. God is first saying, do you see? Do you see me? Are you orienting your lives from my perspective, from me? God is to be our north star, if you will. We are to live our lives filling our vision with God so that our attitude, our perspective, everything then flows from orienting ourselves to God first more than anything else. So often today, you know, in the world in which we live, in order to sort of know maybe how to navigate something, we're always looking around. Wonder what they're saying. What are they thinking? And sometimes, you know, we're, we're basing our next move or our response or whatever on what are they saying and what are they doing? God wants to look for a group of people that's not looking around at anything or anyone else, but literally have filled their vision with him and that he's our North Star and that we are orienting ourselves and everything that we do and everything that we say from him, you see. The very focal point and center of our lives. Look, God says. This concept you find throughout the word of God. In the book of Hebrews, the writer says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And that word looking means to look away from everything or everyone else and literally to fix our eyes or fasten our eyes on Jesus. Is this not what we saw with Peter? When Jesus said, Peter, come on, get out of that boat and walk to me on the water. And I'm sure Peter's like, can't walk on water. But then he obeyed and he got out of the boat. And the Bible says he actually, a human being just like you and I, started to walk on the face of water as long as he kept his eyes where? On Jesus. On Jesus. Looking to Jesus. But the Bible says as soon as he took his eyes off of Jesus, As soon as he started looking around at the winds and the waves and the storm, he started to sink and drown. And so God is saying to his people today, I'm looking for a group of people who first and foremost will orient their lives, orient themselves to me, and that everything that they do, everything that they say, everywhere that they go, it all flows from me as they continue to look to me and fill their vision with me. Second, he's looking for a people who embrace the change that new brings. A people who embrace the change that new brings. I'm about to do something new, God says in verse 19 to his people. And a lot of times we don't like new because we know new means change and we don't like change. We we get comfortable. (laughs) We get complacent. We like the familiar. And yet God is saying to his people, you realize that the spiritual life is either going to go backwards or forwards. It's going to stagnate if it's not making progress. And that if you and I aren't in different seasons of our life willing to embrace 
the change that new brings, we will start going backwards spiritually. And we will start stagnating and, and becoming very complacent and comfortable, but not in a good way kind of comfortable. See, God wants to do something new. He, he wants our relationship with him to always be fresh and vibrant and, and, and current. So often, it's so sad to hear some Christians, they talk about their Christian life as if it's all the good stuff's in the past. <laughs> you know, I, I used to do this, and I used to, you know, serve and, and minister, and, and, and the, the, the light of my life, the vibrancy and energy and enthusiasm of my Christian life was years ago, but not anymore. And that's so sad because God wants us all to know that no matter where we are with him, he can always bring about something new if we're willing to embrace the change that new brings. As wonderful as it is for us to be here, this is change. And yeah, right now we're like, this is great. But guess what? Sometimes God comes in and goes, I want you to change again. I want you to be open to some change. And we're like, no, God. I like, I like where I'm at right here and now. And see, the group of people that God was talking to here through the prophet Isaiah, they were in exile. They were his people, but they were in exile. And God wants to call them back from exile and bring them back home. Well, guess what? I've told you before, I felt like we've been in exile for eight and a half years. <laughs> and God has finally called us home. And we're home now. And maybe we'll embrace this change, but, you know, we don't always embrace a lot of the changes and the new things that God wants to bring, but he always wants to make our relationship with him very current, very fresh. Think of the verse in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, meaning old things will always be passing away and new things will always be coming. That's part of our life as a Christian. Why does the psalmist over and over again say, sing unto the Lord a new song? Not that there's anything wrong with the old, but it's okay to sing something new and write something new and, and worship with something new because, again, the old can sometimes just become routine. Familiarity breeds contempt. And sometimes we can do something so long that it loses its meaning, it loses its force. And that's why sometimes God has to bring something sweeping into our lives in order to sort of wake us up. Can I tell you, as much as I love you, that the excitement and the enthusiasm that I've seen on this property today is not something we've had for a long time over at Basha. And it's not that we couldn't have had it over there. <laughs> you see, God wants to do new things in our life to sort of sometimes just sort of restart and renew and wake us up again to the possibilities. So God is looking for a people who will orient themselves to him, also a people who embrace the change that new brings. Third, a people who recognize the hand of God when he's moving Notice what he says again in verse 19. Now it begins to happen. Do you not recognize it? And in the original Hebrew, it's God was already at work, and they weren't even seeing him do anything. They weren't alert to it. They weren't aware of it. So think about this. This is crazy, right? God is at work. God is moving amongst his people, and they're missing it? 
God says, I want to, to, to form a group of people who when my hand moves, when my presence comes in, when, when you feel the Holy Spirit at work, you know it, you recognize it, and you go with it. I don't want a group of people who I'm doing all this stuff and they're just totally oblivious to it. And yet, in the Bible, you see that, that mindset, that tragic outlook over and over again. Think about the priest Eli in the Old Testament. God is speaking to this young man, Samuel. Eli, the priest of God, doesn't even know it's God's voice. How tragic is that? How even more tragic is it that the Son of God, God himself, came to earth, lived on this earth for 33 years, walked as God amongst so many people, and yet the majority of people that even God was with physically, just like you and I, they didn't even recognize him as God. They missed it. Most of the people missed the first Christmas. They didn't celebrate it. Most of the people missed Jesus being on earth. They didn't recognize him as the God that he was. They missed it. How much clearer could God have been? God said, I've come. I have spoken what I have spoken. I have done the miracles that I have done. The, the Spirit of God has empowered my whole life in ministry. And yet, how many people just totally didn't get it? And the sad thing is today that there's sort of this spiritual stupor, if you will, and sleep that can, that can set into even God's people. And that's why God says, wake up, my people, Get out of your slumber. Get out of your sleep. Recognize my hand when I'm moving and go with me where I'm leading you to go. Another aspect of our identity here is that God is also looking for a people who walk by faith and not by sight. A people who walk by faith and not by sight. Verse 19, yes, God says, I will make a road in the desert and paths in the wilderness. I don't want to go into the desert. <laughs> but God says, I'll make a way where there is no way. That's the kind of God we have. That's why God says, don't walk by your sight, walk by your faith. Earlier on in these verses, God is basically telling his people, Forget the exodus, not, not in a physical way like you could ever forget something like that, but he says, you're still focused on the exodus. He says, I want to do a new exodus. Yes, there was a day where I parted the Red Sea and I turned water into dry land so that my people could walk through. Now what I want to do, now I want to do just the opposite. Now I want to go to a dry place and put some water there. And God says, I'll make a way in the desert, but you've got to be willing as my people to follow me. If I'm leading you out to the desert, there's a great reason and purpose for it. And so many people, because they walk by sight, not by faith, go, oh, I'm not going there. That's the desert, God. Why would you lead me there? God, why would you lead me to the wilderness? God may have a great reason for it. And I think one of the things that God is doing when he leads his people and wants us to learn to walk by faith rather than by sight is to realize that he wants to develop us to be a through people. T-H-R-O-U-G-H, a through people. Because we live again in a world where people want to avoid 
certain things, they want to bypass certain things, or they even want to deny that those things are there. And God says, I want to show you, my people, and I want to show all those that are observing and watching you that I, God, am great enough, awesome enough, magnificent enough to be able to take my people through anything, not around anything, which is why I want to direct your attention to verse 2 of Isaiah 43. Notice what God says to his people. Not if, but when you pass through the waters, I'm with you. And when you pass through the streams, they will not overwhelm you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not harm you. God says, I'm looking for a group of people that I can take to the deep water, that I can call out on the water like Peter, and they'll be willing to walk with me because they're not walking by sight, they're walking by faith. They're trusting in me and trusting in what I've told them. Are we willing to go out onto the deep waters with God? God says, I'll be with you. And you'll pass through the waters. Don't avoid it. Don't deny it. Don't try to go around it. Don't ask God to take it away. God says, I want to take a group of people, and I want to take them through things, not around things. Because that's what God wants to do even with us individually. That's so often why we go, God, but I'm a follower of yours. I believe in you. Why are you allowing this trial to come into my life? Why are you allowing this season of suffering? And God may say, because I want to show you, my child, that I can take you through that. And that that won't defeat you and that won't define you because I'm a God that nothing is too hard or too difficult to do and I can take you through it. And then other people can observe that I took you through it and then maybe that will draw them to me as well. Some of us aren't willing to go through those flooded streams, but God says you can pass through the stream and it won't overwhelm you. And then we certainly want to avoid the fire, right? God, don't take me into the fire. But God says, I can take you into a fire and it won't harm you. Think of Daniel's friends, right? I've said to you before, God doesn't always keep his children from the fire, but he'll be with us in the fire and he'll make sure that we get through the fire if we trust him and walk by faith and not by sight. That's the kind of people God is looking for of people that understand that my God is so great, he can put a road even in the desert. He can make a path even in the wilderness where there seems to be no way. God, our God, can always make a way. Amen? Amen. God is also looking for a people who make room for the supernatural. This is so important. God is looking for a people who make room for the supernatural. Notice God says in verse 20, even the animals recognize me and honor me. And then he goes on to say, I put water in the desert and streams in the wilderness. I do what no one else can do. Man can't do that, but I can. And God is saying to a people, I'm looking for a group of people who are willing to make room for me, a supernatural God, to do supernatural things in and through them. A people that still believe God can do miracles. 
that God can manifest his power in a great way and do things that you and I could never even dream of doing. An extraordinary God. A God that wants to unleash his power in and through his people to show that I'm still alive and I'm still very active and I'm still at work here. I hope you still believe in miracles because that's the kind of church we want to be a church that believes in the power of prayer and God answering prayer and miracles being done and healing being done, lives being transformed and changed and things being put back together and brokenness being restored. God is the God of restoration and renewal and all of these things because God can do anything if we believe. And God is looking for a people that are open to the supernatural. I am, you and I are living in a world that is satisfied with ordinary, satisfied with mediocrity, and I am tired of ordinary and mediocrity. I want to be part of something extraordinary. I want to be part of something supernatural. I want to be part of something that you and I could never do, but God could do through us and in us. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. Are we making room for the supernatural God in our lives? God is also looking for a people who find their fulfillment in God. Notice he says again in verse 20, I put water in the desert and streams in the wilderness to quench the thirst of my chosen people. That's why I'm doing it. I want my people to be fulfilled and satisfied in me. Wow. You know, even as followers of Jesus Christ, we can, we can look to and look around for so many other things in this world that offer us fulfillment and satisfaction, and they never bring it. And here's God saying, I'm the only one that can truly fulfill and satisfy you. Why don't you come to me? Come to me, Jesus says, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Jesus said to the woman of Samaria in John 4, as he's speaking to her, he says, do you see this water? If you drink some of that water, you're going to be thirsty again. But if you drink some of the water that I can give you, you'll never be thirsty again. But it will create in you this eternal spring within you that, that will never run dry. Wow. And she says, I want that water, Jesus. Do we still want that water that only God can supply and give to us and not be satisfied and settle for the, the things that the world and others offer us that can truly never really satisfy or fulfill us because we're always then having to go on to the next thing instead of just planning ourselves into God and letting him fill us up as only he can do? God says, I'll quench your thirst. Here's the other sad thing, though. Just like with dehydration, and we know about this by living in the desert here in Phoenix, is that people can get to a place where they're so thirsty and they've so gotten dehydrated that they don't even suffer thirst anymore. Just like people can actually get so hungry that their stomach doesn't growl and that, that re reflex or whatever inside them doesn't tell them they're hungry anymore because they went without for so long. 
And here's the, the sad thing is that so many people in our society, including Christians, have went without nourishing themselves and finding their fulfillment and satisfaction in God for so long, they don't even know how thirsty they are. They don't even know how spiritually dehydrated they are until they would happen maybe to get into an environment, hopefully like ours, not that ours is the only one, but hopefully around people like us and our environment towards go, wow, what have I been missing? Wow. I'm leaving that place just feeling different than I have for a long time. And maybe it's just because you realized I'm more thirsty than I realized. I'm more spiritually hungry than I realized. I need to get back to God. I need to get back to the house of God. I need to make God a priority in my life again because he's truly the only one that can truly quench my thirst. God is also looking for a people who are willing to be part of something bigger than themselves. Verse 21. God says, I did all this. I put an oasis in the desert to quench their thirst. The people whom I formed for myself. Now, the Bible teaches that not only did God create us individually to be unique, special creations of his, but God says throughout his word, I also form and fashion groups of people for myself as well, just like the nation of Israel. And that's what he's talking about here in this context. He's not talking about forming each of us individually. He's talking about forming a community, a group, a, a corporate body of people together for himself. And so he's saying to his people, are you willing to be part of not just trying to go through life on your own, isolated, individual, but are you willing to be part of a group, a community, something bigger than yourself? Because God never designed us to do life and ministry and all of these things on our own, by ourselves. He designed us not only to be in fellowship with him, but to be in fellowship and partnership with one another. That's the only way you and I can encourage and strengthen one another and support one another and help one another is if we come together and attach ourselves and join ourselves to one another, truly as God meant us to do it. And too many Christians today are trying to live the Lone Ranger life, and that's never the kind of life that God intended. In fact, before I came to church early this morning, I was watching something on the news this morning that was saying that one of the worst epidemics in our world today is loneliness. That loneliness causes more physical problems and emotional problems with people and obviously spiritual problems than almost anything else is people feeling alone and isn't that crazy in a world where we have more technology that's supposed to keep us connected, and yet more and more people are feeling less connected to other people than they ever have before? Folks, that's because we've got to start really getting connected to each other the way the Bible says we get connected and get off of our devices and sit across from each other and engage with each other and listen to each other and show our affection for each other and truly 
share our lives with each other and, and be willing to be vulnerable with each other. Yeah, yeah. Because God is looking for a people who are willing to be part of something bigger than themselves. And not only is he talking here about not being individualistic, but he's also saying, I'm looking for a group of people that when they come together, they leave their selfish agendas and their personal agendas at the door. And where we come in and we don't make it about us, we, or about us individually, but we make it about us corporately. Too many churches today exist just the opposite. It's about you, and you come in and, and you, you run out your agenda here, and, and you, you feel comfortable fulfilling self here instead of saying, no, when I come and be a part of what God's doing in a community, I lay self aside. I put self secondary. I start looking out for others more than I look out for me. And I, I, I don't come in here trying to say, I want, I want a group of people to, to revolve around me, but we all come together and we allow the Lord to lead us in whatever direction he wants for what's best for all of us, not just what's best for one of us. That's the kind of people God's looking for. And then finally, God is looking for a people who have a heart for worship. Because the final thing God says here in this passage is, I'm putting an oasis in the desert to quench their thirst because I formed them for myself so that, and anytime you see the words so that in the Bible, pretty much 99% of the time, that's a purpose statement. There's God's purpose behind it all so that they might praise me. God is looking for a group of people who truly have a heart for worship. And that's something we are trying to create and build here even more at the Oasis. Do you know that worship, praise, singing songs, by the way, the word praise here means to sing songs of praise to God. Do you know that worship is the only thing that Christians will do on earth that we're going to do in heaven? We're not going to pray in heaven. He's right there. We're, you know. We're not going to witness in heaven because everybody who's going to be there is going to be there and all that's going to be settled. But the Bible we've already been seeing in the book of Revelation is about worship. Which is why, again, I'm just going to quote A.W. Tozer again. Tozer, one of the great theologians of the past couple hundred years, said, a Christian that's not ready or doesn't have a heart for worship isn't ready for heaven yet. That didn't come from a worship leader. That came from a theologian who said those words. Because God is looking for a people who have a heart for worship, a people who are willing to praise him. Turn with me to the book of Psalms, to Psalm 150 for just a moment. I touched on this a couple months ago, but I want to affirm it today. By the way, I love Psalm 145, verse 3, too. The Lord is great and certainly worthy of praise. I love that verse. Our concept of God is tied to our worship and praise of God. Small God, small amount of worship. Big God, great God, great amount of worship. Because our worship flows from who we believe God to be. The Lord is great, therefore he is certainly worthy of praise. But real quick, I'm going to give you a sermon inside a sermon. You ever been to one of those? You know, that's how pastors are. We sneak sermons inside sermons. 
So Psalm 150 tells us four things. Tells us where we praise God, why we praise God, how we praise God, and who praises God. Let's start with where we praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Folks, this is God's sanctuary. (laughs) Now, it also says praise him in the sky, too, and we'll let the birds do that. But God says, I want my people to praise me in their houses of worship. That's where one of the places I should see people praising me is in a place like this. Why we should praise God? Well, verse 2, because of what he's done and because of who he is. Praise him for his mighty acts. And oh my goodness, God has done so many wonderful, mighty things. Things that only God could do. By the way, can I tell you something really cool? And I didn't realize this, Lisa did not realize this until after the fact. I felt led of the Lord to choose February the 10th as our first date for our service here in this new home of ours. And I knew, as I've told you before, that was going to put our sound and lighting and video team under the gun. That was going to put Nicole and the worship team under the gun. And by the way, Have they not done a tremendous job getting ready? Absolutely. I cannot tell you the extra hours that have been put in by all of them for these last couple of weeks. But here's the cool thing, and and this is how great God is. God, God remembers things that even we as humans forget. After I chose February the 10th, Lisa and I are thinking and we're going, you know what February the 10th was? I go, yeah, February the 10th, nine years ago to the date of this day was the day that I decided to start the Oasis Church. Yeah. Now, I had left that date go sort of out of my head. God didn't. God remembered that that was the day I decided I would start the Oasis Church, which, by the way, for those of you that are thinking, you realize our first service that year was the first Sunday of April. We had from February the 10th, nine years ago, to the first Sunday of April to get ready for our first service. That's how quickly God moved. By the time I said, yeah, only God can do that, right? (laughs) So I thought, well, how cool is it now? February the 10th will have even more meaning for me because now I will remember that that was not only the day I decided to start the Oasis Church, but it will be the date of our first service ever in our new home of worship. That's a mighty act of God, can I tell you? Only God could have worked. If you and I would have tried to do that and land a date on faith, it would have never happened. But just by following God and letting him lead, guess what? God says, I'm going to just throw something extra in there for you. Because that's the kind of God he is. He loves us that much that he even gives us extra stuff. How are we to praise God? Notice verse 3, 4, and 5. Praise him with the blast of the horn. Praise him with the lyre and the harp. Praise him with the tambourine and with dancing. Praise him with stringed instruments and the flute. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with clanging cymbals. Basically, God's saying, praise me with everything you got. Don't hold back. If I truly am a great God, 
worthy of praise, that when you come in to worship me and praise me, you give it everything you've got. As I've said before, you know, we can get excited in the world about so many things that a few years from now, or even, even it doesn't matter. I'm tired of, of the world telling me to get excited about things that aren't going to matter. When you and I as Christians have things we really should be able to get excited and enthusiastic about, it's time that we do. And then finally, who's to praise the Lord? Verse 6, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I think that means you and I. Because didn't we just sing about the Lord gives us the breath? It's his breath in our lungs. So I think we should give praise back to the Lord. Everything that has breath praise the Lord. God is looking for people who have a heart for worship. Folks, if you even as a part of the Oasis Church go, who are we as a church? What is our identity? What, what are we all about? You can always go back to Isaiah 43, verses 19 through 21, and you can remind yourself or you can share with somebody else, this is who we are striving to be as a church. We are a people who orient ourselves to God. We are a people who are seeking to embrace the change that new brings. We are a people that recognize the hand of God when he's moving. We are a people who want to walk by faith, not by sight. We are a people who are seeking to make room for the supernatural, a people who are seeking to find their fulfillment in God, a people who are willing to be part of something bigger than ourselves, and a people who have a heart for worship. That's who we want to be. And folks, if you want to be part of a church like that, we invite you to be a part of us. We open up our arms and we will welcome anyone that wants to go on this great journey with us because think of it here. I'm going to paint this picture to end with this morning. I want you to get this picture in your mind. These people that Isaiah was talking to and talking about right here, they were going to leave all those years of exile behind and they were going to march through that desert on that road that God had created for them. And think about what God was hoping for. God was hoping that he could get those people so aligned with him, so in tune with him, so in love with him, that as they journeyed through the desert back home, that they would catch the attention of, of other people. And that other people would come up and go, where are you going? We're going home so we can worship our God. He's awesome. He's great. He's made a road for us to even get there. Will you join us? And you know what the Bible says and what history tells us? Is that many people were so captivated by that group of people coming back from exile that they joined them? That, that, that the group swelled from what it started out as in exile, and by the time they got back to Jerusalem, it, it was an even larger group because they were attracting people along the way because they were this group of people moving unified through this desert and they were just praising the Lord and loving on God and loving on each other and there was something distinct and different about that group that drew people to them. Folks, that's the kind of church I want to be. That as you and I travel through our desert out here, that we become that kind of a church that as we travel through this journey God has us on, that we will travel through in such a way like these people did, 
that we will draw and attract people to come and join us here at the Oasis. Would you stand with me as we pray? God, you give us our identity. In fact, without, Lord, you being at the very center of our lives, many organizations, many churches, many individuals don't even know who they are. They don't even really have an identity, Lord, because we can't really create an identity or know who we truly are apart from you. And God, I pray today on the very first Sunday of of, of our worship here at this wonderful place that you've provided for us, God, I pray that we would understand who we are and who you want us to be. God, you're still looking for a group of people to display your glory through and display your glory in. And I pray that we would strive to be that kind of people, God. A people that truly have a heart for you and a heart to worship you, God. Where the praise just flows out of us because of your greatness and your goodness that you've displayed to us so faithfully all of our lives and all of these years. God, may we put a stake in the ground today And as a church, say, that's the kind of church we want to be. That's the kind of people we want to be. And if there's any folks here today that you're normally not a part of our church, but somehow this message resonated with you and and drew you in, and you say, I want to be a part of that too, you are more than welcome to be a part of us here. Anyone and everyone. Because we just want to create this group of people traveling through the desert that just loves God and loves each other and just wants to worship him. And so God, would you begin to just affirm that and create that and and establish that here this day. These things we pray in Jesus' name, amen.